Welcome to CT Church Podcast, where we exist to know Jesus and make him known. Well, it's Christmas time. So how many of you procrastinate and don't do all of your shopping until about three days before? Anybody admit that? Okay, how many of you have already bought your gifts and you were done like three months ago? Okay, way to go. How many of you haven't even thought about it yet? Like you haven't even gone out and done it? I, uh, I am getting better. I'm getting better. I actually enjoy shopping. Are there any men in the church who enjoy shopping? I guess I'm going to be the only one <laughs> who enjoys shopping. So I, I, I enjoy shopping so much so that my, my kids have recognized this. When I go into a grocery store, um, I actually, it, it's really hard for me not to walk down every aisle. I have to go down every aisle. Does anybody else, has anybody else got my, yeah, yeah, I've got to go down every aisle, and, and so I enjoy the whole experience, and I'm a big shopper, and so recently I was shopping for my kids, although online has made it a lot easier, and so how many of you like online shopping? Yeah, yeah, well, somebody really likes it, there you go, but uh, I'm shopping, and I'm pushing the car, and last week, Last week, I, I started the, the message uh, just about enduring hope and kind of this pull between both worlds. You could say heaven and earth, the natural and the spiritual, and how we kind of find ourselves between both of these worlds at times. And sometimes we're full of faith, and then other times it feels like just a few moments later we have no faith. And um, so I'm shopping, and I'm walking through the store, and I'm buying these gifts, and here's the thought that comes into my head. I wonder if I'm going to be able to afford to do this next year. Has anybody ever had that? And it's so interesting to me because as I was shopping, I'm like, where's that thought from? Like, why am I even having this thought? And what it did is it took me out of the joy of that moment, right? And it put fear in me or put some concern in me for something that wasn't going to happen until almost a year later. And it was that reminder that as so many people are full of joy and happiness and peace, there's also this struggle with anxiety, fear, and loneliness. I mean, I don't know about you, but every time you go and swipe that card, excited to get that gift, there's also, ooh, maybe I shouldn't spend this much. Come on, anybody else? Maybe we need to pull back. And so it's this pull or tension between the things of God, heaven, and the things of earth. And that's why I love, and I, I think we connect so well with the story of Christ's birth. Don't you guys love this story? Because you get to see it all displayed here. In fact, I told you last week, really what, what encapsulates this idea is the shepherds, the sheep, and then I said the Shekinah, the glory of God. Here you have shepherds, sheep, and the glory of God. One of those, it's like the kids game, one of those don't belong. And yet they're all together, they're all together in this moment. And again, this is the journey I feel that we all walk through in our lives. And so even today as baptism happens, how many of you know that was a spiritual, spiritually significant moment? Right? But how many of you also know they still got to go back to work? How many of you know that last week we prayed for healing for someone who was in the hospital, the Eubanks, and still they were struggling, 
And that's a day-to-day grind, knowing that God can heal, but doesn't always heal. There's the tension. By the way, she's home, everybody, from the hospital. So we're thankful for that. And so what I wanted to do then is I looked at the, I looked at the Christmas comfort passages. And these passages are, are mainly found in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet almost 700 years, over 700 years before the birth of Christ. And he's prophesying about this time that will come in 700 years. Now we look back to a 2,000 years ago. This is Isaiah. And last week we talked about the temple. Remember the vision. For those of you who weren't here, Isaiah has a vision of heaven. The glory of God filled the heavenly temple. I mean, it's a, it's a magnificent picture. The seraphim, we talked about the different angels. The seraphim that flew above the throne crying, holy, holy, holy. The earth is full or filled with his glory. So he's seen all of this. And yet in that same chapter, Israel has been rebellious. Both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And God says they need to be cut down like a stump and they'll be a stump. This is all that will remain, a remnant will remain of the people of Israel. And so it's this contrast between the two, but there's something significant about the stump. And I just think it's amazing because in that stump, we find out, well here, let's just read it. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And we'll be looking at verse 11. Isaiah 6, verse 11. So verse 11 is coming towards the second half of this chapter. After Isaiah has seen this vision, it says, Then I said, Lord, how long will this go? And he replied, Until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland. Until the Lord has sent everyone away and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. If even a tenth, a remnant survive, it will be invaded again and burned. How many of you have heard this at Christmas time, right? (laughs) But as a terebinth or an oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. Now think about that picture, for example, picture. You have a stump that will be a seed. This is like an oxymoron. This doesn't make sense. I've never looked at a stump in the woods or looked at a stump and thought, wow, there's a lot of potential in that stump. Anybody else? No. You look at a stump and you look at something that has come and gone. You look at past glory and yet God has planted something. God has planted potential within this stump even in the midst of their rebellion. And here's what I love. This is a side note, but here's what I love is that mankind would look at this stump, look at this rebellious people and say it's over with. And aren't you thankful that when man has thrown us to the side, God says there's potential in that person. How many of you know there's potential in you? Come on. How many of you know there's spiritual potential in you? Even when the world looks at you and says, nah, there's nothing that's going to happen in your life. God has planted seeds of promise in your life and in your family. And that is something that we need to celebrate. So there's something, once again, 
significant about this stump. And we're going to come back to this because, again, this ties into the Christmas story. But here's what I want us to look at today. Obviously, again, with Baptism Sunday, we're looking at enduring hope and just hope in general. And I want you to know that there is hope for the now and hope for our future. I'm watching um, the news, which is not a good idea, by the way. And, uh, you know, these two are, are talking about some things that are going on politically. And then I scroll down to the comments because I love to see where the people are at. And the comments were, were somewhat shocking to me because of how divided people are. Have you guys noticed people are divided politically or is that just me? And, and, and I mean, it seems like the chasm's getting wider. And as a spiritual leader and someone who loves the Lord, um, the thought goes through my head, is there hope for reconciliation? Is there hope for bringing us together? How do we reach somebody without compromising our own values or what we believe? How do we share Jesus with somebody who doesn't agree with us politically? How do we, how do we bridge this gap? Has anybody else had that struggle? And and so I'm trying to, I'm like, is there hope? Because it does seem like there's a downward slide. And depending on who you listen to, it's all going down. And then I, I have to be reminded, I have to be reminded just to look back through history. How many of you know there's been dark times in history? Maybe even a little darker than today. And I know that each of us have our own challenge. We have our own battle to face But I want you to know that there's hope for the now and there's hope for our future. And I just want you to look at Isaiah's time. Because Isaiah, is it's interesting, Isaiah, we get, it's almost cheating in a way. Because when Isaiah prophesies, it's a dual prophecy. So what he's doing is he's speaking to the current situation and he's speaking into something that will happen. But you and I don't read those passages wondering whether or not it will happen because it already has happened. And that that should encourage us, that should build our faith that something that was prophesied is fulfilled. In a way, it's fulfilled hope. Uh, in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, it says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, if you don't know what faith really, how it's defined, that's the biblical definition. But let me help you with this. Here's what faith looks like for us. It's like a title to a vehicle, okay? And I want you to imagine that I have a title for a vehicle. It's in my name. How many of you know that I legally now own that vehicle? And so it's something, faith is something that is hoped for, but I may not have seen it or I may not have possession of it with physically, but it is still mine legally. And so that's what faith looks like. And so when we look at Isaiah, what we're looking at is something where not only do we have faith for this moment, but we have the vehicle. We have possession of it. This is something that we can look back and say, what was it like to be Isaiah and to go through this time? And I want to tell you that uh, it was a really difficult time for Isaiah and for Israel at, at, in, this, in this time of history. Um, King Ahaz, okay? King Ahaz is one of the kings during this during Isaiah's life, okay? He actually had a father who feared God and a grandfather who feared God. 
And King Ahaz is someone that Isaiah will prophesy some of the Christmas comfort passages that we know today. But let's just look at King Ahaz for a minute. 2 Kings chapter 16. So Ahaz is recorded in Kings, Chronicles, and in Isaiah, all right? So 2 Kings chapter 16. I just want to kind of paint a picture how dark of a time this really was, how difficult this was, and yet God was still on the move. So 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 2. When you're there, say I'm there. Oh, wow, good job. All right, here we go. Ahaz was 20 years old. That's pretty young, huh? When he became king. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God. As his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his sons pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. Now we're going to look at this in just a moment. Um, I remember when I was being taught how to use a computer. I'm a little older than you may think, okay? And I remember our teacher, we walked into the classroom where all the computers were, because we didn't have laptops, right? Come on, somebody. And, and so uh, this was after typewriters, though. I'm not that old yet. Uh, <laughs> and so our teacher, our teacher said, now remember, when you're writing this report, you cannot copy and paste. And I seriously, as a young man, I must have been in middle school, I was trying to figure out how do you copy and paste on a computer, like, I couldn't figure out how do you take a physical copy and paste it. Did anybody else have these questions? So I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And then I figured out the blessing of copy and paste, everyone. And it was the, it was the best thing ever because here's what copy and paste is doing. Is you're taking somebody else's work and you're applying it to your own and you're taking ownership of it. I'm the one who came up with this wonderful thing. So there's nothing, none of you did that, did you, in high school, okay? So there's nothing original about it. Here's with King Ahaz, here's his challenge, here's his problem, really. He's a terrible king. He is a terrible king. Like, I have no problem saying this. He is a weak leader, and this is somebody who I would not want to follow. And one of his challenges is he copies and pastes. He wants to look like, or he wants to be everybody else because he has no vision for his own life. He has no direction. He has no convictions for the type of king that he's supposed to be. Look at what he does. It says that he sacrifices his sons through the fire. They pass through the fire. Now here's what's interesting is that if you ever have a hard time or a difficult time understanding what we would consider the wrath of God in the Old Testament. Just remember, we don't always know the history of what other nations were doing. And so even, I won't get too graphic, but even they believe with some of the idols, they would have been literally uh, lit on fire, uh, stones of fire, and they would have put um, children on them and burned them. Okay, so, so like when God is doing a purge, again, he's a generational God, right? 
And so here a king comes into a land that God had promised them, and now he is doing something that is an abomination to God. And I think about this. They may have, Israel may have removed the people, but how many of you know spirits don't die? How many of you know spirits are still active today? I mean, you think when you read scripture, I want you to know that when you read spiritual activity in the Old Testament, uh, those spirits haven't changed. They haven't disappeared. They haven't gone somewhere. Those spirits are still active today. And so when you start sending kids as human sacrifice, how many of you know you're opening up your life and your, your family to some evil stuff? And so this is what he does. He, he adopts or he takes on what the other nations did. The other thing that he does is he copies the way of the kings of Israel. Now Israel, over a hundred years, years ago, had been taken by Assyria. So they were not great leaders. They'd been taken, and now you have Ahaz, who's looking at these nations, who's looking at Israel and saying, I want to lead like these people. This is like going to the most broke person you can find and saying, teach me how to do finances. <laughs> I'm sure you've never done that. And so here you have Ahaz, who has no, again, vision. Now, I want to just encourage you for just a second, challenge you. Make sure that when we raise up our children, we teach them not to copy and paste everybody else's life. You know, it's so interesting, isn't it, how there's this desire in all of us to kind of fit into this crowd, even as, as young kids, to fit into the crowd. And yet, throughout history, who do we admire? The people who step out. God is calling all of us to be original, to be somebody who's outside of the mold of what the world wants for us. And you don't need to copy and paste what other people are doing. You need to be true to yourself in every sense of the word. So Ahaz doesn't do this. And so Ahaz, what happens is Assyria has taken them on, and now Assyria has taken Israel, and now Syria, so not Assyria, but Syria is at Jerusalem's door. Okay, so Syria's at Jerusalem's door, and here's what Ahaz says. Ahaz says, okay, Syria has conquered a lot of other nations. I need help in my current situation. I need somebody to come through and to help. So he reaches out to the king of Assyria. So Syria's attacking. I know it's kind of similar. Assyria's attacking, and so he reaches out to Assyria, and here's what he says. I am your servant and your son. How many of you would be excited if your king was saying those words to a nation that wanted to take you out? <laughs> I am your servant and your son. Come up and save me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who rise up against me. Now look at the difference between Ahaz and David. Psalm 121.1 says this. I look up to the mountains. This is David speaking. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord. Come on. My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. And so already, generations later, you have Ahaz who is no longer looking up to the heavens, no longer looking to God for help, but he's looking to other nations. He's looking to other powers to come save him. So he becomes a slave to man. Then we go down. I'll just read these to you because of time. 
Verse 8 says, And Ahaz took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house, and he sent it as a present to the king of Assyria. So Judah is starting to crumble during this period of time. You have a wicked king, and the direction that the leadership goes, everybody else goes, right? And so here you have everything is falling apart, and this king is going into the temple, is robbing from the temple, and he's giving it to the king of Assyria to try to please him, which Chronicle says nothing happens. And so there is a transfer of wealth. You know what? I believe this, that God did not create us to live in poverty. I really do. Now, I know there's different ways of defining it, and here in the U.S., we are blessed beyond measure. But I do believe that we can reach more people, that we can do more with the things that God has set in front of us when we have financial provision. And here it is, Ahaz is giving all of this wealth to a king who he thinks is going to save him, and he's taking it from the kingdom. Now, here is what he does. I said he continued to copy and paste stupidity, okay? In 1610, it says this, and he saw an altar that was in Damascus. Now, let me just tell you again. Here's what happens is Syria comes, tries to invade, and Assyria comes and takes out Syria in Damascus, okay? And so now, Ahaz, who is submitted, has an overlord, Assyria is now their overlord, comes to pay them a visit, comes to pay them a visit in Damascus. So he's in Damascus, he's coming to pay a visit, and while he's there, he sees an altar in Damascus that he really likes that Syria had set up. Syria, who had just been conquered. I would not want to worship the gods that had just been conquered, right? Right? And yet he looks at this and he says, I want what they have. And, and again, I, I think that it's an epidemic sometimes. It's, it's a problem in our culture is that we look at these people. We look at people's lives who are just complete mess, a complete mess. And we're like, yeah, but I want what they have. Anybody else? I still want what they have, even though everything's coming apart. I still want what they have. And so that's what he does. He says, I want that altar. And he begins to replace the altars, the, the burning incense, all of this with these pagan, pagan altars. And here's what he does. Here's what he does. He makes the sacred to be just common. You don't need to turn here. Second Chronicles 28, 22. Now, in the time of distress... King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. Just trying to paint a picture of how dark this time really was for Isaiah and the Israelites. Because when we read these passages, sometimes we don't know the context. This is that King Ahaz. For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, saying, Because of the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of me and all of Israel. So Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of God and cut in pieces the articles of the house of God. Think about this. Now remember this vision that we had? Think about just going back to Solomon. Solomon builds this temple that was in David's heart And after he dedicates it to the Lord, what happens? 
The glory of the Lord falls on this place. It fills the temple. It's so strong that the priests who are assigned can't even go in. And now what you have generations later is you have a king who's going into that temple, cutting things into pieces. And watch what he does. Articles of the house of God cuts into pieces the articles of the house of God. Shut up the doors of the house of the Lord and made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem and in every single city of Judah. He made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of his father. Julie, if you want to come on up here, we'll close with this. Imagine again living during this time if you were in Jerusalem and you had a leader like this. If you had a leader who was taking the sacred and making it just common. I thought about this as a, as a church. I want to encourage all of us to make sure that we recognize what is holy and what is sacred. I think about our culture. I think about our generation. And uh, I don't feel like we have a lot of things that are sacred or holy. You know, when we gather together, I recognize that this is not a, a temple but we are temples, right? And the Spirit of God dwells inside of us. And so when we come together, I believe that this is a holy moment. Do you? I really do. And so here's what was happening is that all of this, all of this was being thrown out to try to make do, to try to please the king of Assyria. And now the temple doors are closed. How many of you know that this is a very dark time in Israel's history? And here's what I think is so remarkable because the passage that we read last week, Isaiah chapter 6 and 7 and 8 and 9, this is while King Ahaz is the king. This is when we read Isaiah 6 and it says that the glory of the Lord fills the earth. And here's what I love about that. How many of you know that the glory of the Lord can fill the earth even when people are in rebellion? Like the glory of, of God is not hinged or dependent upon our praise, is it? The glory of God is always here. And so the glory of God fills the earth. And yet here now you have this stump in this season, in this time, with the rebellion, with the king that's totally walking away from God. And Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10. Bringing it all in together. And I want you guys, as you read these passages now, moving forward from this time forward, now you understand the context and how dark it was. Listen to this. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. So here God is giving him a chance. God is giving Ahaz a moment to say, ask of me and I'll give you answers. Ask of me and I'll get you out of this situation. Even in that moment, but Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. It's just a cop out. Verse 13. Then he said, Isaiah, hear now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Verse 14, listen to this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. Somebody say it with me. Emmanuel. Woo. Have you ever thought about that? Like, these are the Christmas comfort passages. This is what we talk about during Christmas time. Isaiah is prophesying about this time that will come. And now we look back, but this is in a very dark season. How many of you know there's always hope? That God sets things into motion. No one and nothing can stop what God is doing. Now let's go. I got to get to this stump. I got to get to this stump. Because Isaiah 9 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. You know, when Isaiah is saying this in chapter 9, yes, it's spiritual darkness, but if you would have been there and you feared God, can you imagine the king sacrificing his children? Can you imagine living during that period of time? So when it talks about the light has shined, now Isaiah 11 Here's what it is. So here's that stump. It says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch, capital B, branch. Everybody know who that branch is? Come on. His name is, his name is, his name is, would you stand with me? A new branch from a stump. (laughs) A new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And here's what we celebrate. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now, how many of you know that we can say this? The Spirit of the Lord rests on him. It's not will, it is. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance, nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. How many of you know that this would have been a breath of fresh air for everybody living during that time? This is what Isaiah was prophesying. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and the breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. Out of that stump, there is always hope for the now, and there is always hope for our future. And Jesus, not only again, let me remind you, Jesus does not just represent hope, but Jesus is hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the work that you did in this church, in this church body, in this church family. I thank you for the eight lives that were baptized, Lord, that made and declared that you are their Savior, you are their King. Lord, we thank you that this is a marked moment that we can celebrate as a church. And God, I thank you that this is a season where we celebrate light invading the darkness. And I thank you, God, that we can have hope no matter what's going on, that we look to Jesus, we look to you. I thank you for mighty men and women throughout our lives and throughout history who have stood in the gap, who have been faithful. Thank you for people like Isaiah, who prophesied these words so many years ago that we can find comfort in today. We love you, Lord, and I pray that we would make Jesus known the rest of this month in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout amen. 
Thank you for listening to the CT Church Podcast. Make sure to check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, or our website at ChristTriumphant.org. We hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next time.